Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. So my motivational quote, it's so silly because it's by unknown, <laughs> but it was a very good quote, so I had to pick it. And the quote says, the reward for work well done is the opportunity to do more. Education plus experience, once guaranteed a successful career, is not enough today. Professional success now depends on the ability to adapt and to have agility, resistance, and a willingness to adjust professional expectations and responding quickly to opportunities and or threats as they arise um, and, and are really now the vital skill in our workplace. So do you have these skills that are needed to navigate many common and, and I would think uncommon professional challenges? If you're not sure if you have these needed skills, is there a resource to help you figure out what your navigational strengths are and maybe the areas that need some development? Today my guest is Beverly Jones. She's an executive coach, MBA, JD, and PCC. And Beverly has spent four decades helping professionals and leaders survive and thrive. Since 2002, Beverly has built a respected executive coaching and consulting practice. It's called Clearways Consulting, where she leads retreats and mentors professionals of all ages to advance their careers, shift directions, or boost their pro productivity. In her new book, which I read and I thought was awesome, it's called Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO, and it's 50 indispensable tips to help you stay afloat, bounce back, and get ahead. Beverly shares practical ways to handle vexing workplace challenges and give readers proven go-to techniques for handling even the biggest career surprises one step at a time. Please help, help me welcome Beverly Jones. So Beverly, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Well, I'm thrilled to be here with you, Connie. Yes, and what, before we uh, began the recording, I shared with Beverly, everybody, uh, number one, I, I read the book, and I thought that the tips were insightful and kind of like, uh-huh, you know, a little, little obvious, but we don't think about it. And the other thing I shared with Beverly is I have a niece uh, graduating from Rutgers University uh, this month, and this was one of the books that I recommend she reads um, as a new you know, she, and, and Beverly and I were saying she had internships and she's had little part-time jobs, but now navigating within your career, um, I thought this was a great uh, how-to book. So thank you for that as well, because I think it'll provide some really good insight for newly new graduates. Well, I'm excited that you um, suggested the book to her. I, I've been... Um really pleased to hear from this crop of uh, college graduates who are getting the idea that you always have two jobs. You have the job you're starting now, and you have the job of learning how to build your career. Yeah. And they get that, and this is, the book is, um, has a lot of tips on how you can learn some skills that you can take from job to job along the way. 
And and isn't that the truth, right? Life, I, I, you know, with my, I have two two boys. They're 16 and 19. And sometimes, to me, something's so obvious. And I'm like, you know, why did you do that? Or whatever. And my husband later will quietly say to me, uh, you're 54, they're 16 or they're 19. Um, life has taught you that. And, you, you know, you stop and you go, oh, yes, you're right. That, you know, life experiences. So I, I did love your book because I thought it was a brilliant guide to get people there a little quicker, a little bit easier, and just keeping an open mind as to how to approach different circumstances. So really a, a well-written book, and I think truly a useful book for today, for, for all of us today in the environment. Um, so thank you for that. Now my first question, Bev, is it just seems like in every industry, in every job, there's always something new to learn, right? Absolutely. Whether it's you know, and I know today, Matt, for me, mastering social media um, challenges, rapid changes in competition, again, due to technology to some uh, extent, is the pace of change truly increasing or is that just our perception of it? It's truly increasing, and, and you put your finger on it when you mention technology and communication technology specifically, because information is everywhere and it goes so fast and everybody has access to it all of our organizational structures have changed government has changed the way we interact with one another has changed and the pace of change is is really picking up all the time because um, information flow creates change yeah it's true and you know there's an app for that so on our cell phones there's always an app that you can go to and then the other thing is the internet you know how many times do we take out our cell phone somebody says something and you're like oh wait I don't remember about that and you google it and bam that information is right in our hands it's kind of nice but then on the same token I feel like maybe just because of my age I'm always plugged in you know where Remember years ago, we would commute home, right, or yeah. to and from work, and it was dead time. Now we're on the phone checking on the kids to do your homework, checking with the husband, um, doing callbacks. If I was training, I couldn't answer the phone. I'm calling clients back. We're never unplugged. So, you know, double-edged sword. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think it can be um, um, exhausting for people because not only is the information coming fast, but there is a sense of less control if yeah. you grew up in a different era, different professional era, and so it takes a, a little getting used to. I, I, I think it's a little bit like riding a bike, though. Each time you go into a, a new technology or a new situation, if you learn uh, to balance, uh, you can, you're fine, you, but we have to keep learning new ways to balance, and that's yeah. just part of what life is like now. Yeah, it's rebalancing over and over again. So how do you advise how do you advise people to keep on top of all of this without feeling overwhelmed and, and I guess to get that balance? What's your recommendation? Well, in in um, the context of career, an important thing is to get over the idea that it's about you. Hmm. One thing I see with my clients a lot is people are resentful of change or afraid of change or uh, emotional about change because they think it's about them. It's something they did. The boss doesn't understand them. They just don't get me, those kind of things. 
when you're in an environment which is shifting all the time, which is most of our environments these days, no, it's not about you. It's, it's like the weather. It's raining on everybody. And as soon as you, it doesn't feel personal, that can take a little bit of the stress out of it. Uh, another thing is that if you keep learning about the industry you're in, the sector you're in, whatever it is, whether it's education or uh, marketing, if, if you keep looking at what's happening in organizations like the ones you're associated with, it's, it's less baffling because then you see the big picture. And having a sense of the big picture can take a lot of stress and uncertainty about change because you can see the big trends and, and you can an- anticipate it. Um, Go ahead, I'm sorry. I I can talk about this for a bit, so let me um, ask your question if you want. What I was going to say, it's interesting because I'm always telling people my term, zoom out, then zoom back in. Because when you zoom out and you look at the bigger picture, kind of like what you're saying, stop zooming in on yourself and, you know, woes me and the boss doesn't like me and all these things and zoom out for a minute. And one of my clients recently, and because I, I do a lot of work in the financial industry, the they the government is changing a um, definition of fiduciary responsibility. I'm not going to get into it. It's very complicated. But here's the bottom line. One of my clients happens to be a bank. They recently shifted so that the folks in the branch, you know, where you go and you do your deposit, they will no longer be recommend, making recommendations even on what type of CD, a one-year, five-year, et cetera, because of this new fiduciary uh, change. So in my class, they were complaining that we can't even do it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, do you know why? And they're like, well, no. And I said, well, let me give you some history. And I just shared that. And they all yeah. looked at me and go, oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, it's good that the bank did that. And I said, well, stop looking at it as you know what they did to us now it's that us and them I said you have to believe that sometimes they're doing things because regulations have changed it's not about you so it's that that idea of stop being so um, narcissistic that everything is about us right I couldn't agree more and also I just wrote down your phrase and I'm going to borrow it in the future I love it it's zoom in and zoom out it's it's go into the details and then back way up and look at the big picture and put everything in context and that can take a lot of the uncertainty out of the situation and and it's hard for people to zoom out because I want to worry about me (laughs) by zooming out oh my goodness I have to take Beverly and Connie and so and so into account and it becomes harder but the reality is if you practice that it becomes easier and I think it makes life a heck of a lot less stressful because it it, um, it shines the light brighter on things that you feel are affecting you. Exactly. So when I'm talking to um, students who are going to be interns and I, I do a lot with Ohio University's Communication College. Awesome. And- um, a lot of those interns come and work in the Washington area. And when I'm uh, talking with potential interns, I urge them to read about the company, read about the industry, read about the trends. If they start routinely doing that as interns, then when they go on to their big jobs um, down the road, that's a habit. So it, it, it's not mm-hmm. a stretch. It's just something that's a normal part of, of, of keeping your professional career going. 
Yeah, absolutely. Got to keep learning, that's for sure. Got, and the other thing, even though they're graduating, these new grads, you have to be a lifelong learner, again, because of all these things that we're talking about with technology and shifts in industries and regulations. So you, you need to, I think, have skills that are fluid, that move with you. Now, I, and, and, you know, you mentioned it before, the boss doesn't understand me. What what can people do, and this I'm hearing a lot lately, with a boss that just won't listen to their ideas or their feedback or won't accept that the employee might know more about something than the actual boss? What do you do? Well, I think this is another time when you back up a little bit and, and try to decide what you want out of the situation. It's time to think strategically. If what you really want to do is get information to the boss, then you have to be honest with yourself. Am I just looking for some stroking and uh, sort of relaxed conversation that isn't likely to happen in this environment, or do I really want to get my message to the boss? If, if you want to get your message, you do a little detective work, and you notice how the boss takes in information and how the boss shares information with other people. It might be that you want to have long conversations, but this is somebody who prefers a three-dot-point email message, and that's mm -hmm. how they take information. So you look at their style of, of taking in and sharing information, and almost always part of the your strategy has to be keep it concise. Mm -hmm. Everybody's busy. Probably a lot of people are clamoring to get their information to the boss so that if you can put it in a very usable form and, and maybe three concise messages, whether you're talking over lunch or you're writing a memo in the old-fashioned way or, or you're texting, keep it brief, keep it tight, and keep it very clear, that's always going to help. And then generally when you're communicating, whether you're um, uh, talking to your, um, your spouse or, or, or you're running a marketing campaign, you learn that important messages have to be sent more than once. Mm -hmm. so you find different ways to restate the, the same kind of information because it, it maybe takes us three times to really get the picture. Yeah, or for us to process the information. Um, how many times have you had, you know, where somebody says something and you think, yeah, 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 and then they say it again, you're like, yeah, 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 no. And then the third time you're like, oh, I get what you mean. Exactly. <laughs> right, the light bulb on the head. Yeah. Yeah. It happens to all of us. Yeah, it does. So that's, yeah, it's it's processing, it's really processing the information. And I think because we have so much, my word, clutter in our head, you know, we like a, a computer, you can delete stuff. If only I could go into my brain and delete stuff, Bev, I tell you. Yes. <laughs> um, we can't, you know, so yes. we, we're on we're on overload. So hearing things multiple times and restating it, maybe saying it this way or that way, the person, the light bulb goes off. So that's another interesting uh, perspective. We need to take a really brief break. And then when we come back, you know, the millennials have now, they have passed us baby boomers. So yes. they are the biggest, they are the biggest uh, generation in the workforce. So I'd like to talk about, um, from a managerial standpoint, how they navigate and how older folks uh, in the workplace, you know, like my age, in their 50s, um, that are reporting to them. How do we navigate that? So we'll take a break and then we'll talk about that, okay? Sounds good. 
A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, trainings, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back and we are speaking with Beverly Jones. And Beverly just wrote a book. It's called Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. And it's filled with 50 indispensable tips to help you stay afloat, bounce back, and get ahead at work. And we can all clearly use that. So what advice, um, Bev, would you give or offer to millennial managers as well as really the older workers who may be reporting to them? Well, I think it starts with communications. Uh, Different styles, different messages are often points of stress when you have millennials working with with boomers, and particularly uh, millennials managing boomers. To the millennial leader, I would say pause and and listen. Actually, um, take a little time to hear what your folks are saying, no matter what their age. It, it's um, a world in which we are used to passing messages quickly and not really focusing on what the other person is saying. And if you can pause and, and look at things more completely, you can uh, create a bond at the same time you're mm-hmm. actually taking in more information. Mm-hmm. And a- another thing is um, to uh, ask for feedback. Leaders who make it clear that they actually want to have suggestions about things and create an environment in which information is welcomed can really speed up their teamwork. So having um, uh, conversations or however you're doing it virtually or actual person-to-person in which everybody has a chance to talk and the leader listens to everybody at times and even ask questions to get information, that can help to build a team across the generations. And then style of speech matters. Different um, age groups use different slang, have have different habits of formality. Um, I think one of the mistakes boomers may make is complaining about change or talking about the past, letting go of habits like that, letting Mm go of any kind of negative um, uh, references based on age group or anything else that's not appropriate to the workplace. Those are all kind of communication habits that we can manage for ourselves and and having sort of a cleaner communication among all the parties on a team can help. It's interesting. I had a young lady in one of my classes and um, she was the supervisor 
and had women who were working part-time, you know, kind of came back into the workforce after retiring. So they were maybe in their 60s, uh, but wanted the extra money or their husbands were driving them crazy. I'm not sure. And uh, she, you know how that goes. And, and the young lady in class said to me, um, th these these women were clearly frustrating her, and so I was teaching a coaching class, and she said it was it was very cute because she said to me, you know, at a certain point, um, you people, meaning us baby boomers, um, should just leave and make room for the next generation and what a curt kind of response and then so I joke I don't I don't ever take anything personally because people I want people to speak freely yeah. and not be inhibited by that I'm judging them I just smiled and I said oh I'm 54 does that mean you should put me out to pasture joking and, uh, yeah, and then yeah, she starts stuttering well another young lady who is a peer of hers sitting on the opposite side of the of the room set, jumps up and she says Connie I think you have at least 30 more years you're so relevant so now my response like all right guys can we find a balance somewhere in between because I don't know that I want to be having one foot in the grave and one foot uh -huh. <laughs> you know let's find that balance but it's interesting because and then I hear the baby boomers complaining about millennials and I have surrounded myself but with people older than me 10 years older than me because I feel they know they, the next 10 years they've been there, done that, so I can learn, right, mentoring. And then I have these young folks around me, and it's interesting because I call it reverse mentoring. They send me articles, Con, this is right yeah. up your alley, or podcasts to listen to, or an app that I should download. And this is the cutest thing. They'll, they'll text me or they'll email me. you got to download this app, and then they put it in quotes, what to type in the search bar for me, because they know I'm a little inept with technology. And then they'll say to me just download it I'll teach you how to use it next time I see you so they're they know I'm open but they're also open to hear my life experience so what a great partnership if we allow it and we, we don't always allow it with these generational gaps it's, it's I, communication I it is, yeah and I, I think of uh, what you're describing as reciprocal mentoring when yeah. both parties say look we can learn from each other let's just be honest about it and let's um, look at what each of us needs to know and share information, and it can really work in a workplace. And in, Crazy. in life, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, an another thing is whoever you are, just stop complaining. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's back to what we were talking about um, before the break. Sometimes you have to realize it's not about you. Um, this is what is. So instead of thinking about complaining, shift your mind to learning something new. As long as mm -hmm. you're always open to learning something new, and as long as everybody knows you're open to learning something new, you can keep having fun. The change won't bother you as much, and people will treat you as a, an actual um, peer regardless of what your age is. It, it's really true, and I we need to get unstuck and stop saying, um, in my day, and we did this, because you know what? It's, it doesn't matter. With the technology and all of the things that are available now, we really can work smarter and not and, and maybe not harder, right? Just work smarter, not harder, and get more done, more efficiencies and all those things, but you have to be open to what's going on around you. We really do complain and get stuck, and, you know, let's face it, Beth, 
when I'm around negative people and I'm, I am, my glass is always half full, always. So if I hear someone's negative and I say, well, maybe look at it this perspective, and they're like, no, you know, and they continue to pull you back with an excuse, an excuse, an excuse, you know, at some point, especially if I'm rushing to be somewhere or whatever, it's like, you know what, I don't have time to change your mind. I know that this is the way to do it. And if you want me to help you, you know, get on board, but I have, I have places to go. And in training classes, it's amazing how after maybe being in three of my sessions, all of a sudden, again, hearing the information, light bulbs go off and they become more open. So, you know, when you complain, people don't want to be around you. That's for sure. Cause it's just ugh, annoying. Yeah. There's no doubt about it that People work better if they are with positive people, and in particular, if if the boss is positive. Back to uh, um, advice to millennial managers: staying positive, choosing optimism, not allowing yes. yourself to be pulled down that uh, into a downward spiral by by people who are grumbling, but. Um, positively reinforcing positiveness too. All of that um, can really help you not only manage your own stress in your own life, but it, it can change the quality of the work that's going on. Yeah, create a dynamic team that just are building on each other's ideas, creating that energy, that momentum, uh, movement, you know, for whatever the company needs you to do or create. It gives you an opportunity to have that movement. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, another, we have about seven minutes left, and I this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And the theme that kept popping up throughout the book was listening and Really, it's a tool for vital career growth, et cetera. Everybody likes to think they know how to listen, hmm, but that's not the case. So tell us what you think gets in the way of listening, especially in the workplace. The thing that gets in the way of listening is very often that voice in your head. And when I was back in law school years ago, and you're sitting in the class they taught you basically to kind of listen with half an ear and it, mm. while somebody was talking, you were thinking about how you were going to respond, how you were going to tear apart the remark, how you were going to ask questions. That kind of critical listening can be very useful in situations, but it is not the way to really communicate with people on a daily basis. Another kind of voice in your head isn't that critical questioning one, but it's just whining. Um, I, I disagree. What are they talking about? This person doesn't know anything. There's very often that voice going on that's interfering with your taking in information. And the, there's lots of research about this. When, when you're concentrating more on your own um, thoughts than you are what somebody's saying, the speaker at some level, maybe unconscious, but the speaker always knows you're not listening. And so this sort of negative cycle builds up where they're getting more and more frustrated with you and you're thinking more and more negative thoughts about them. You can make a big shift if you just notice your voice that's saying, I don't want to listen, or what am I having for lunch? Just put it aside and really focus in. You kind of build your listening muscle, just like you'd build uh, a muscle in the gym if you practice, and you do it by noticing the voice, letting it go, refocusing it. And boy, it can shift relationships. It can change your situation as a leader. It can help you make a sale if that's your business. 
It, it's interesting. Every This was such an important topic, and as I was reading through the book, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I use this in my training all the time. Hearing is mandatory, unless, God forbid, you're hearing impaired, right? Hearing is mandatory. You hear, you hear the noise. That's what it is, though. Listening becomes an optional skill, and we are almost tuning out to that listening as an optional skill. The other thing I always say, whether you, I, I teach sales, right, and service, so and coaching, we talk at each other and we take turns talking at each other. So while you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, well, when she shuts up, I'm going to tell her this, but we're not really fully engaged in what the other person is um, saying. And the other visual, I learned this, my goodness, I think I was 22, my regional manager when I first started selling insurance 100 years ago, he said at one of our meetings, you know, guys, you have two ears and one mouth. You really should be listening at minimum twice as much as you're speaking because if the client is talking, you're uncovering how they feel, what motivates them to make choices, what really is important to them. And until you understand that, how can you make a recommendation? It's almost like making a malpractice recommendation. So that listening component is so, so critical to everything we do in life. And we really do take turns talking at each other. My and just my other thing, my own little recommendation, I tell people, when you find yourself checking out, you're bored, the person rambles, they go off on tangents, which happens, let's face it, ask a question, yeah. and, re and then what happens is you pull them back to the, to the current conversation and back from their tangent. And the other thing I have found that helps with... Um, saying focused and engaged and I'm doing it as you're speaking so I could go back and ask a question Beverly is write notes because yeah. you write a key word and then I say oh what? let me listen and then I look back I don't think about it again and then I look at my notes and I go oh you mentioned so t note taking and asking questions two very powerful tools to help Absolutely. with listening yeah I, I think um getting more out of meetings and we all have so many meetings when there might be several <laughs> people room and you don't have much chance to talk at all, it's hard sure. to stay focused, you want to make the most of that time that you can. So if you take notes as you go along, you're sort of sorting the information and you're more likely to retain it and also to, to spot, to do items, to spot interesting things, to make connections. It's, it's a way to get more from the time you have to spend in the meeting room. And, you know, again, I'm usually with clients, so what I do is I'm taking my notes and I'm fully engaged because they give you so many clues, especially yeah. if you ask a big open-ended question. And then put, I, I call it the virtual duct tape. Put it on your mouth and just stop talking and let them yeah. share the information. You did your job and asked the question right now. Shut up. And I take notes. And if there's something that I want to circle back, like I've been doing with you, I take a note. And if I need the answer before we stop, I put a star next to it. If it's something that I can follow up at a later meeting or shoot an email, I'll put a square next to it. And if it's something that I need to do immediately after the meeting to keep track of my to-do list, you know, I put a check mark next to it. So I have my own little code that you don't have to set, right? Isn't that a great, it's simple, stupid. I'm a simple, stupid person. The more simple the execution, the easier it is to do it over and over and over again I'm, I'm process driven so you know this way it, it, you're writing quick notes so you stay engaged and then boom that code I know what that code means um, to me and I just use them over and over again I love that code I use I haven't done three you have three important points I'm going to change my code I've just learned from you oh. <laughs> yay 
I, I I don't have the square. I have the check and the star. So that yeah. Uh, that's a great way to sort, and and that's why it, it turns out taking notes by hand um, is sort of uh, you retain more. The research shows than if you're using a uh, your iPad or something, because it, you can you have to sort as you go. You have to sort of outline as you go. You you have to note key themes, and and you can make it a little visual when you make a star that's like an icon that relates yes. to something important, so that you have. Your brain has processed the information much more thoroughly at the end of the time. Yeah, and you go back to the key points of because we're moving so fast. Yeah. So for me, I when you you know when I go to put a proposal together, let's say I have all the meat in there, but I need to look at the key topics as I start to build my proposal. So it's there for you. It, you know, you don't have to go again process driven you work more efficiently um so again you know people can i do stars check marks it's funny that you use those too and then i use the little square but you can use circles i mean whatever's going to resonate with you so um i I do i think we make things more complicated also than they have to be beverly because if we make it complicated i guess that means we're smart (laughs) yeah and and keeping it simple is that's that's the trick looking for ways to have habits replace decisions and and make things easier for yourself every step along the way that's that keeps your energy up it does it does and then you have the energy to get everything done and it and you feel less overwhelmed if you can work efficiently with things that you do over and over again find that efficient path and i just think it it creates the balance that you started with and less overwhelming life becomes a little bit less overwhelming for us Absolutely. There's well, our so time is. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So many things I was going to say that we could talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I see from the clock we're ending because I think we're right in sync, Connie. I, you know, it's scary, isn't it? When, when, and didn't I said before we started that people find me that we we have so much in common, and you live, you know, across the world from me, and. We've never met face to face, and there's so much. It's funny that you use like the star and the check mark. Um, we didn't even talk about that before. So right. just so interesting the synchronicity that we have. I do think we should do another show and drill down, especially for the new graduates. I think that this again the book. I, I highly recommend everybody um, going out and purchasing it because um, it's just a wealth of information. And I think it's going to become a tool for this next you know twenty thirty years. So the book is Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO, and really the fifty indispensable tips to help you. Stay afloat, bounce back, um, and and uh, get ahead at work. Man, oh man, they are relevant and current. So I do recommend buying it. Also, Bev, I just want to give your website, which everybody knows. I I'll put the website on the web talk radio platform, Beverly. So literally, they can click and it'll take them right to your website, so they can right. purchase the book, etc., and look for more information. So Bev's website is www.clearways consulting.com and I'll spell it C-L-E-A-R-W-A-Y-S-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G so clear ways 
www.whitmanassociatesconsulting.com. Also, uh, everyone, you know the rules. Uh, Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Email me. Send me your stories. Send me topics that you'd like me um, to find guests to be on the show because it's this is your show. I mean, I do this for um, everybody listening, and I want to stay relevant and current, and I want to be able to have light bulbs go off for you every time you listen in. So email me at Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Of course, you could find me on my website, which is www.whitmanassos.com. Um, thank you again, Beverly. And, and I do think we should do another show because I had actually more questions. <clears throat> These are big topics, so it was difficult to get into everything. So if you're game, I'm game. I'm game, and I'd even like to ask you some questions. Oh, my God. I would love that. You're, we could do <laughs> reverse roles. You could host it and I'll be the guest. <laughs> I, I think we can have a real conversation. I love it. I think that's awesome. We, we, you and I will, will definitely uh, pick another date. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you found the information that Bev has shared with us. Um, I hope inspiring and also enlightening. So, again, Bev, thanks so much for just awesome amount of information. Um, you guys have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much. Go out, learn something new, be positive, and find your inspiring week. You guys have the potential for all of this. Be well, everyone. Thanks. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Darling.